in John 6, we looked at this about three weeks ago, and this is uh, part of the flow of what I've been saying over the last two or three weeks. Um, it all holds together. But three weeks ago, I referred to this verse in John 6, 63. It is the spirit who gives life. And I'd like this morning for us to just stop for a second and understand practically what it looks like. So I'm going to start in Genesis 1. And uh, we are going to go through a tour right through the scripture, but I'm hoping we'll keep this to about 15 minutes. But Genesis 1, 1 and 2 says this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving, uh, hovering, brooding over the surface of the water. Um, and it, it talks about the heavens were formless and void. They were empty. It was waste and emptiness. The emptiness is, is part of what was there. It was there was an emptiness, and the spirit was hovering, brooding. Now, what you have in Genesis 1 is God's creative power on display. And time after time, through, through chapter 1, he, he says, this is good. And then at the end of it, when he sums up and looks at everything, this is very good. There's a sense of satisfaction. There's a sense of completeness, of beauty in the whole creation. But it starts out with the emptiness and the hovering spirit and God's word being spoken. And we understand that it's the word of God. Jesus is active. Paul tells us in Colossians that Jesus is active in creation. And it's the sense that we have there, Father, Son, and Spirit, all working in unison together with all of who they are to create something that is exquisite. And we, as human beings, are created in God's image. And the essence of that whole first thing is the context of the Spirit of God hovering, brooding, waiting, moving in the emptiness. And that's a pattern for the whole Bible. That's a pattern that God has established, not only through the scriptures, but for us as well, as individuals and as a community. The Holy Spirit brooding, hovering, moving where the word is. And then we move quickly and briefly to chapter 3 in Luke. And we've got the baptism of Jesus. And in verse 21 and 22, it says this. Now, it came about when all the people were baptized, that Jesus also was baptized. And here it goes. While he was praying, the heaven opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came out of heaven. You are my beloved son. You are my son whom I love. I'm really pleased with you. And again, you have this thing of the spirit coming down in this bodily form as Jesus is praying. Heaven is opened. And there's this uh, intervention, if you like, of God where the spirit comes down on Jesus and the father speaks. And again, you've got this Trinitarian concept of the three of them working together. And Jesus is then led by the Spirit out into the wilderness. And the whole of his ministry begins. And from that point onwards, 
we've got the t turning the water into wine and delivering people, healing people, speaking to them of God's wisdom and so on. It's a new beginning. And then it comes to us, you and I, individuals, and we'll look at corporate as well. But I mean, just you and I, we receive Jesus into our lives. The word of God comes to live in us. Paul speaks over and over again about us being in Christ and Christ being in us. There's no ambiguity about it. There's a clarity of the understanding that the word of God comes to make residence in our place, in our home, in our bodies, in our lives. And that he's present with us always. And then we go to the place where we looked at last week, where in Acts 1 and verse 4, Jesus says to his disciples explicitly, go and wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father, essentially. And then you get them going to the upper room, praying over an extended period of time, 120 of them. And then this enormous outpouring, rushing sense of God's presence and power in the room where they speak in tongues, there's, there is an explosive reaction to the, the uh, rushing in, if you like, of God's presence. The spirit, more than just brooding, is rushing in like a tidal wave. And there you have not just creation as in the beginning or creation in terms of the beginning of Jesus' ministry. You have the creation of the church, his body. And he fills his body. And that's the point, is that most of us, most of us pray a lot. I'm just giving us all the benefit of the doubt. Most of us pray a lot. And we pray lots of words. And when you use things like prayer mate the bible app it's about praying for things and praying for people we we know how to use words words and sounds are huge in our lives what's interesting i think is that we don't perceive a tremendous amount we don't actually discern or understand a lot of the time lots of words but often not much understanding in John chapter 5, verse 20, that's just a bit before we, he says to them about um, the Spirit giving life. He says, the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show, sorry, and greater works than these will he show him that you may marvel. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son also gives life to whom he wishes. That's Jesus talking and addressing his disciples and saying to them, I don't do anything on my own. I'm not a free agent in that sense. I'm not making this up as I go along. I don't have a good idea of what to do when I wake up in the morning. I don't have a massive master plan. I'm not uh, purpose driven, as it were. All I do is wait to see what my father is doing, and I do that. And I think what's happened for us in the church is that we have been tinged with the busyness and the hurry of our society, and we think that we need to make stuff happen. And all we need to do is be in the presence of the father and be seeing what he's doing like Jesus did, and then doing that thing. Now, it sounds fairly simple. Paul, Paul does a similar thing. If you go and read it in Acts um, 14, 
he's preaching. And in verse eight and nine, there's a man who's there who's intently listening. And Paul, it says Paul saw what was going on. And I've looked at that and I thought, how did Paul see what was going on? Here was a man who just come into a place where he was preaching. And he says to him, be healed. And I think Paul is doing what Jesus was doing. He saw what the, the father was doing. And he looked at that person and he says, be healed. Now, would that all of us were in a position like that, where we can say like Jesus, I only do what I see my father doing. Or like Paul, who says, oh, I can see what God's doing there. And, and affirming it and calling it out. Now, I want to make a suggestion to you about ministry. And I'm going to give you a quote. I'll, I'll tell you where it comes from if you want to know. It says this, the glory of God always shows itself in an empty space. The glory of God always shows itself in an empty space. God shows himself in absence, in a void, in an empty space. As in creation, there was this void, waste, empty space, and the spirit was brooding on it. And out of that comes the glorious creation that God speaks of. Now, that might be a, a sort of a, an unusual concept for most people. The glory of God always shows itself in an empty space. But that's where God was in the temple between the wings of the seraphim and the cherubim. He was in the space between. And the empty tomb is another image of that same kind of thing. That's the power of the resurrection is that it's emptiness. It's there that the power actually is. And in your life, in my life, it's when we empty ourselves. And that's where I'm coming to. It's when we empty ourselves of our own ambitions and busyness and all sorts of other stuff. It's that self-emptying that gives space for the Spirit of God. That's what Jesus was doing. When we read from Philippians, when you read Philippians 2, it says he emptied himself and made himself a servant. We haven't twigged that that's really what God is looking for. He doesn't, he's given us gifts and we think we've got to pile on in and do all the stuff that needs to be done. What he's looking for is an empty vessel. Someone who will essentially say, here I am, Lord, like Isaiah did. When we make space for the Spirit of God, He comes. I thought years ago, when you go to conferences and you see, and everybody gets excited and they say, wow, oh, it doesn't matter whether it's uh, the Vineyard Leadership Conference, New Wine, whatever conference you want to talk about. People go and they say, isn't it great? We go to these conferences and we get topped up. We meet God. And I used to think, well, there are people who are passionate. They're pursuing God. And I think there is a part of that. But you know what I also think? It's that it's an empty space. 
because all of a sudden, all the normal stuff that is the stuff that really uh, keeps you busy, the noise, the busyness, the hurry of life is all put behind you and suddenly you've got space. You've emptied your life of all the stuff that's been sort of piling up and there is space for God to meet you. And he hovers over us. And I believe that he is hovering and brooding all the time. And he's just looking for the gap for us to empty ourselves and for him to come in. Same thing with when we meet together in our, a small group of two or three or a, around a, a dinner table or in a meeting like this. That when we stop for a minute and make space for God, he said, he's saying, this is brilliant. Think of the words that are used throughout the scriptures. The psalmist used waiting so much. Um, be still and know that I am God. We talk about uh, silence or meditation or fasting. These are all forms of self-emptying, of, of not wanting our agenda, not wanting our ambitions, our purpose, our goals to be accomplished. When we get out of the way, God can do something. 2 Corinthians, Paul writes to, this is probably the third or fourth letter that he writes to them. But right at the end, he talks about, he's talking about boasting and what he can boast about and what he's been through in chapter 11 and chapter 12. He says, um, I could boast about so many different things. And he starts to tell you some of them and then he says i had this thorn in my flesh it doesn't explain what it is but it's essential that um uh we understand why to keep me from exalting myself to keep me from making myself the important thing is essentially what it says and in verse um um nine after having begged the lord three times the lord says to him my grace is sufficient for you, for power, my power, is perfected in weakness. Now, essentially, what does that mean? It means that when we step back, when we move away, when we empty ourselves, there's space for God's power, which is way beyond me. It's way more than I can ever begin to ask or imagine. So... The space we give to God is important. That's the, that's the important thing. In chapter 4 of the same uh, 2 Corinthians, he talks about we being earthen vessels. And essentially, he's saying the clay is not the important part. It's what's inside. And that's the thing that I'm saying this morning. Let me end by saying this. There are two kinds of ministry that we do and that we look for when we come to a place like this. And the one is the normal one that we come and we say, uh, who has a word from God? Has someone got a, a, a word of wisdom or a prophecy or, or a scripture? Um, we, and we all contribute to what we think. We hear God speaking to us, the spirit speaking to us. And we pray for one another. We want to see people healed and set free and um, restored. In, in reconciled, all that stuff. 
And so we do ministry with one another and to each other. And we ask God for, for that kind of ministry. And that's good. And that's really important. And we need to keep doing that. But there's another kind of ministry that is completely different, that is perhaps more uncomfortable for all of us, because we are so attuned to words and busyness. I feel uncomfortable with it. That it's when we, we stop for a minute and we just open ourselves to the Spirit of God. Simply. If he pitches up, he pitches up. If he doesn't, he doesn't. It's not within my power to determine what's going to happen or yours. But essentially, all we're doing is we're saying, we want to stop in this moment and say, Father, I'm here. And even in our prayer time, so not only when we are together like this, but in our prayer times, I think it's important for us not to be only speaking and listening for something, but just being in the presence of God. Just being open to him and saying, I'm here. The message reading of Psalm 51 verse 10, I love it. Um, it says, God, make a fresh start in me. Shape a Genesis week from the chaos of my life. And then he talks about the spirit. And I think that we want to say, we need you, Father. We need you, Holy Spirit. Jesus, we need everything that you have for us. 